I, uh, man, I, I love this church. I, I, I like want to go right in, but then I want to just talk to you for a minute. And so I had a, I had a monster on my way here. Some of you are like, wow, the devil. Uh, I had a monster on my way here, and so I'm like seeing sound right now. So I'm just trying to get my, my bearings about me before we go. Man, you guys good? Everybody excited? Come on, come on. I, uh, man, we had your pastor come over. We had an encounter conference, a youth conference this last or uh, a couple weekends ago now. It was fantastic. We've seen uh, students just go after Jesus, loving Jesus. There's something amazing that's happening in Tri Cities. I really believe that. Uh, and I think that, especially like if, and if you don't go here, but you like heard of Ephesus and, or New Movement, or whatever we're calling it, and you're like, man, I need a church. This is the church for you. Just so you know, like you should come to Ephesus. If my church doesn't work out, I'm coming to Ephesus. I want you guys to know that. I've already been promised two positions, associate pastor and security, and I feel like I can feel like I can rock both of them. I uh, I have to travel sometimes and speak and go to uh, to different events and um, live in Washington State. Has anybody ever traveled out of Washington State? Great, three people. I've had to, I've had to. Uh, anywhere we go, our headquarters is in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. And so the only way to get Cleveland from here, obviously, is to fly like 10 flights to get there. And it takes forever. It, it, it drives me crazy having to fly. We have to fly from Pasco to like Seattle to Atlanta to Chattanooga and then drive up. By the time I get like, I can knock it in to Cleveland uh, in the hotel room. I can leave here whatever time I want to out of Pasco. And I will not get in until 1227 a.m. the next day. I could leave at 8 in the morning, 6 in the morning, or I could leave at 4 in the afternoon, and I still show up at the airport at 1227. So I hate making that trip. And then we had to go to Orlando in, in uh, August. Another long trip. And I'm, man, I just, I, traveling, it, I, I, when I was a kid, I was used to think it was like a blast. Right? Like, you, you see the planes, you're like, man, first of all, I can, I can fly this plane better than that pilot, because he looks a little crazy. And I, I just love traveling. And then I get older, I'm not about it. I was in Seattle, and you know how you have to go from, if you fly into Pasco, they treat you like you're coming from the smallest airport in the entire world, and they put you on the little satellite planes. And so you have to ride a shuttle to get to the regular normal people, right? So I, I get on the shuttle, and I'm standing there on the shuttle, and they have the little handles right there. They have the bars, and they have the seats. And yet here I am, this 25-year-old strapping, great-looking young man. And that wasn't a joke. And, and I'm standing there, and I, and, I, and, I, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm not holding on to nothing. I got this. I got the balance of a sloth. I won't fall. I'm good. And, and so, you know, I'm just standing like, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. And then the tram takes off. And I look like a baby giraffe walking. My legs get all shaky, I'm like falling over. This is a true story. And I know it was serious because I look, I, I like catch myself like in this position. And I'm like looking around and I look over and there's like this 4'11 old lady. Her whole life flashed before her eyes in this moment. It was terrible. And I was like, man, first of all, I almost killed an old lady. As a pastor, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't kill old people. And it's all because my foundation wasn't solid. Right? Like, and I got it. Right? I, I felt when we started. 
But when we left, like or when we went to stop, because starting starting is tough, but stopping is some you know it, it's the same uh, instead of acceleration is deceleration, but it's the same speed variable. So I, I, I tripped as we were starting, but as we stopped, I braced myself. I got a foundation. I got that wide base. When I was in football, they said get a wide base. When I balled out on all of you in basketball, look, I ain't gonna be there tonight. They said get a wide base because your foundation matters. If your foundation is shaky, everything around you starts getting weird. Everything around you starts not being exactly right. If your foundation is shaky, you wind up almost killing 4'11", 85-year-old old ladies. If your foundation is not set, things start shifting. See, it's funny. I lived in Florida for a little bit of or most of my life. And we, we would have hurricanes and we'd have tornadoes. And it, it, was, it was amazing to me that uh, if you lived in a trailer, that was like the most dangerous place you could ever be in the entire world. Because they have no foundation. Right? They're, they're, they're built okay and they, they might have a little slab that's laid out, but they don't have a foundation. I know a lot of church people that have no foundation. A lot of church people that have no foundation. I, I, I love, I asked your pastor, your pastor called me and said, hey, we're so thrilled you're going to be here. I was like, cool, what have you been talking about? Like, what's what's been the, 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 the theme for the month? And he said, well, you can preach on it if you want to, or you can preach whatever you want to. I said, great, what have you been talking about? And he said, we've been talking about family. We've been talking about how Ephesus is bigger than one person, how Ephesus is about being part of a team and being part of something bigger than yourself. I said, that's fantastic. I know exactly. I was going to preach this already, but I was like, that is exactly what, I, what, what, what we can go with today. See, the foundation of the church matters. The foundation of your life matters, but the foundation of your church matters also. And I'm not a controversial person, so just know that, but I'm a very real person. I, I get so tired of having to be fake in church and having to be uh, quote-unquote politically correct in church. I like to just say some things and if you get mad, talk to your pastor. I'm leaving, right? I'm, I'm good, so just say, hey, we don't ever want to have that dude back. Here's what, here's, what, here's what a shaky foundation in church looks like. We only have one color. We only do one style of music. We only read one version of the Bible. I don't know if I can, I'm allowed to say any of this. I'm good? Okay, cool. Okay, don't write your pastor. Blame Becky. That's cool. <laughs> See, uh, a shaky foundation church are more worried about people kneeling on a football field than they are people kneeling in church. They're more, they're more worried about cultural, political events than they are about people's souls. See, that's what, that's what, that's what shaky foundations look like. We're, we're, we're more worried about the controversy of, of what's happening around us than the controversy of the kingdom. We're more, we're more worried about making sure we get our fair shot versus making sure people get into heaven. See? But a strong foundation says everybody matters. Says it doesn't matter if you're red or yellow, black, white, doesn't matter. You're welcome here. Right, that's, that's what a strong foundation looks like. But and, and, and you say, yeah, well, that's what we're trying to do. Well, let me tell you, in church and in your life, shift is always going to be there. That's right. Like there will always be moments where, where, where 
a, a, a shift will happen. Period. Like you, you can't avoid bad things happening. You can't avoid challenging situations arising. I know a lot of people in church. We walk in because I have felt this way as the pastor, as an associate pastor, as a worship pastor. I have felt this way in my life before that when I walk into church, I'm the only person that's dealing with something. Everybody else, they 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 woke up. And God, they didn't even have to bend their knees. God just resurrected them out of the bed. Straight legs. They didn't have to do their hair. Everything was fine. Man, they looked good. They didn't have to put no makeup on. They just looked good. They didn't argue with their wife before they came to Ephesus this morning. They didn't, they didn't, uh, we didn't argue. I was just joking. They didn't, they didn't do anything. Their kids are good. They're, they're, they're smiling, they're happy, and I walk into church and I say, man, everybody else looks like they have no problems going on, like nothing else is happening in their life, and yet everything around me seems to be crumbled. Mm. Everything around me seems to be shaken. See, I'm a very, like I said, I'm a real person, and I'm very transparent, and I will be the first to tell you, a lot of times when I walk into church, I'm like, man, I'm a messed up person. Mm. I can't believe God chose me, but God said, hey, bro, you don't have to worry about what's going on if your foundation it's solved. Amen. We walk into church feeling like we're the only one. Raise your hand if you've had a problem this week. Look around. Somebody's mind. I heard it. Somebody's mind just got blown. <laughs> Everybody has problems. It might be money. It might be a crazy spouse. You have kids. It definitely has something to do with kids. <laughs> it, it, it might be the job. It might be school. It might be a vehicle, it, it might whatever, it might be anything, but everybody deals with something. So we're talking about shift this morning. How do we shift? And what happens when things around us start shifting? Matthew uh, chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I think we have it up here. Verse 24. No, that's not it. That's all right. So we're going to be talking about Jesus dying. Just joking. That was the wrong. Whatever. That was the wrong verse. That's all right. Listen here. Here, here here's, here's where we're at. You have to understand this. The stability of your life. If you take notes, this is this is a good place to start. The, st the stability of your life is determined by the foundation, but it's not determined by you. The stability of your life is determined by the foundation that you're built on, but it's not determined by you. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds their house on the sand. Here's, here's, here's our first point for the day. Foolish people build sand castles. Like I said, I, I live in Florida. And I love it. Except for the hot times. <laughs> and like it was always humid. But there was one good part about Florida. It's like you go to the beach 13 months out of the year, right? Like you go anytime you wanted to. And it was great. <laughs> Some of you got that. Some of you didn't go back to school. Some of you are like, man, I thought there was only 12. Here I have been living my whole life thinking there was only 12 months. Whatever. You go to the beach anytime you want to. And I've been to, okay, 
Anybody, anybody know somebody extra? Yeah. <laughs> I hate living in the day. You know, about, I, I didn't live in them, so I, I can only speak from what, I, what my parents have told me and, and, and what I've seen on TV. People like the 70s, the 60s and 70s, you had to just be pretty good at something to be good at it. Now everybody's great at something. I hate people. <laughs> unless, you, unless you're great at something, you're not good at anything. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I know people, they don't have a college education, they don't have a high school diploma, and yet they are like hundred thousandaires because they have learned how to spin fire and twist fire and it looks great. And they're the only ones in the world that can do that. Social media, that's another one. I see people on social media and I'm like, I don't know how you do that on Instagram. I don't know how you make all that stuff move. Here I am, I'm trying to take a picture, it's all blurry. My wife says, put it on your story, and I don't even know what that means. And so I'm standing here, I'm like, man, everybody I know I know so many extra people. So I go to Florida, I go to the beach, and I look, when I was growing up, building a sandcastle, no big deal. You go buy that one dollar bucket at Dollar General that comes with a little paddle. Comes with the shovel, y'all. I had broke parents, y'all. You know, come on. It came with a little net around it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on. Can I get a witness? Listen. And and it ain't nothing fancy. You fill the bucket. Come on, y'all. You gotta help me. I say you fill the bucket. Well, you mash it down. You put some more dirt, you mash it down, and then you blow everybody's mind, you turn it over, it looks kind of like a castle. You know what we call it? A sand castle. That's what I call it my whole entire life. No, 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 no. Not my generation. We got to be extra on everything. These kids, they don't got no job. They don't got, they, they ain't got the money to pay their bills, but they are the best sand castle builders in the entire world. They're out there carving sand. <laughs> And I'm just going to say this, and I hope I don't offend anybody. You know it's white people. <laughs> that was okay, I didn't say that. Because <laughs> you, you just know it is. <laughs> and they're out there, man, this thing is huge. It's like as tall as me. It's got windows. It's got a moat. It's got a drawbridge. They made a drawbridge out of sand. The thing works. It's and you have no idea how this is happening. They've made mud. They're like going back to ancient Egypt and making clay out of this sand and spit and water. And it's there. And they have like a symbol, everything. All of it looks great. And then I, oh, I promise you, this is so funny. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the water. And I'm like, man, the water's right there. And I seen where high tide was. And they're right in the middle of it. And the water keeps getting higher. And higher, and it starts touching it, and that moat turns into a river, and then all of a sudden everything's gone. And all the work, hours of work, gone. Foolish people build sandcastles. See, there was no, there was no foundation. It looked good, but when it got a little bit of resistance when it got into the elements, when it got a little bit of something that was dealing against it, it had to it washed away quickly. Mm. I'm so tired of Christians that are building sandcastles. Mm. We look good. We worship good. I mean, like, you know those worshipers? See, I'm simple. I'm this guy. Boom. 
<laughs> and if I'm feeling and if I'm feeling the heaviness of God, <laughs> that's what I got. But you got those worshipers, man, they look good. You know those people that point, they like don't even raise their hand, they just point. <laughs> they look good. Some of y'all are like, I gotta fix that. <laughs> those people that can like they can like stretch their hands all the way out and then they do like a little half spin so they're like doing a little hell. They look good, helicopter. They're good. They're good. They come into church dressed to the nines. And for some people that suit, tie, vest, all that, some people that skinny jeans and a long tee, whatever, but they look good. They look the part of being a the best Christian that anybody knows how to be. When the, when the worship comes on, they sound good. Amen. They sound like they know their part. They sound like they know the song. Yeah, they're just singing off the screen. Yeah, they're not even thinking about what they're saying. They're just singing it because they're supposed to. They're not remembering who we're singing to. But yeah, mm. at least we're singing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. When the pastor says something good, like you just said, we know what to say. Okay. Amen. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know how to talk in Christian language. How are you? Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> Seated in grace and mercy. We know. We're so good. Man, we're so good at doing church. We forgot why we did it in the first place. And yet we walk in. And there's no foundation. It looks so good on the outside. If somebody walked up to you, they'd say, man, that person is just a little bit extra for Jesus, and I ain't even mad. They know reckless love. They know all these songs that are great. They know that it sounds, oh, man, it sounds so good. And then they go home to the same mess, dealing with the same junk, having to go through the same things, and nothing's being fixed in their life because they're addressing what it looks like instead of what it's built on. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of generation. I don't mean I don't mean an age. I just mean a, a generation of church people that are so worried that it looks good that we forget what it's built on. If you're here this morning or this afternoon, ask yourself: Am I all looks? See, there was a when I was in school, there was this uh, this little kid. He was a I don't know. He was like 11th grade, 10th grade. And he said, he was all talk. Man, he just, he just always wanted to fight somebody. You know, and mama didn't raise no fools, so I mean, I, you know, I'll fight you. <laughs> Not now, I'm a pastor, unless you get crazy. But <laughs> I, I remember I was standing there and he just was talking and talking and talking and talking. And I'm a very level-headed person. I don't get too high, I don't get too low. I'm just like right, even kill. I said, bro, I mean, I don't really want to fight. But if you want to fight, like just, just swing or something, we'll, we can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you already know I would have won, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, and, he's, and, he, and you know what he said? He said, you know what, whatever. And he walked away. And, and I said, and it was like, whatever. 
And I see people in church and they're all talk, all talk, all talk. I'm going to go get the devil today. I'm going after Jesus today. I'm giving God everything I have today. And then Jesus is like, okay, let's go. Hmm. We're like, nah. Hmm. I'm good. Hmm. Right? We're so worried about what it looks like that we forget what it's built on. See, Jesus says, anybody who doesn't listen to my word is foolish. And foolish people build houses on sand. See, sand shifts. Remember what I told you earlier? It's going to happen. Things are going to come up against you, and it's going to be tough. Money's going to get tight, and it's going to be tough. The kids are going to go crazy. It's going to be tough. You're going to have uh, arguments in your marriage, and it's going to be tough. And the only way we're ever going to get through that, the way that God wants us to get through that, is not within our own power, but as if we are on the solid foundation. Amen. Go back to that, that, first, uh, that first verse, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, is wise. Amen. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now, now think of, okay, so what does it mean to listen to God's teaching? Like, what does that mean? Because we're all about it until it's not in our favor. We're all about it when we're cool with it. God, you want to bless me? We listen to your teaching and we open up to your abundance of blessing. God said, yeah, I did say I'm going to bless you when you tithe. See, we talk about money. Nobody, nobody says anything. <laughs> Everybody. I say something about Jesus loves you. No, what? Yeah, we talk about money. <laughs> no, sir, not today. It's amazing to me. We see all of the great things. We want all the great things of the teaching of God. We quote Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans I have for you. We quote where in the Bible it says that God will give to us good measure. Amen. Press down. Come on. Come on, some of you saints, you better help me. Good measure. We quote it. God, you said you'd give me, you would give it back to me. Good measure. Press down, shake it together. And we, 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 we grab and we say, thank you, God. But the one before that, it says, judge not, condemn not. Mm. Literally, the verse right before that. And yet we want to grab what we like, but we'll leave what we don't. Yeah. And that's, that's people that build their house on sand castles. That's people that are building on, on, on sand. It looks good. It feels good. It sounds good. But when things really start getting uh, uh, tight and tough, everything around you starts blowing and starts shaking. You realize that you have nothing that you're standing on and everything's going awry and you don't have an answer because you haven't built your house on the rock. Man, we have to obey the teachings of God because foolish people Foolish people build sandcastles. But anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Touch your, touch your neighbor say, hey, don't build sandcastles. <laughs> See, uh, when you think about sand, another thing I've had to encounter one time in my life, 
I always thought this was only in the like uh, wilderness of Africa, but there's sinking sand in America. Yeah, I found it. I know. And it's amazing to me that it, it's the weirdest thing. I, I wasn't in it or anything, but I seen it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's just. It's crazy. The more you try to move out of a situation that has a, 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 a floppy foundation, such as sinking sand, the further down you go. Wow. Right? Like, we, we always think about sand as just being something that's just kind of soft, but something that's manageable. But what happens when we get into sinking sand? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Anybody know that song? Amen. All other grounds is sinking sand. See, I know, I know people that are so busy, but they go nowhere. I know people that do so much. They say they have a great life. They say they have a great career. They say they have a, 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 a great education. They say they have a great family. They say they have a great schedule. And then when you really dive into their life, their spiritual life, because we're here for like 80 years at best, you know, on earth, but we have an eternity to live in heaven. So when you dive into really what matters, you realize, man, everything's just kind of shaking. I think that with sinking sand, the more you move, the further down you go. And the only way to ever fix that is by establishing a solid foundation. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a portion of Scripture in the Bible, Matthew chapter 16. It's pretty familiar to a lot of us if you've heard it and, and if you know this story. And Jesus establishes his church in this moment. So Jesus is standing. I have to give you a little bit, bit of background. Jesus is standing in Caesarea Philippi. And, and he, he, he's standing on this mountaintop, and he's overlooking what is considered the darkest part of the world. Literally in this time, this is the worst part of the world. They, they consider it the part with the most sin. They consider it the part, uh, the, the absolute darkest part of the world. Where Jesus is standing, there is worship of multiple, multiple, multiple gods. There are people that are more interested in advancing their own agendas than they are about anything to do with advancing the kingdom of God. Where they're standing at, there is sexual immorality that is running rampant. See, you thought that was like a new thing that just started in like 2016. Man, this has been a thing that's been going on for a long, long time. Literally where Jesus is standing at in this portion of scripture, I'm going to read it. Literally where Jesus is standing at in this portion of Scripture. He is standing on a mountain and right below him where he would be looking is a cave where they would worship the God Pan, who is the God of immorality. They would not only go in there with people of the same, I'm trying to be careful, of people, with people of the same gender, but they would also go in there with animals. It was considered the darkest place in the known world. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the Savior to the world, is standing here. And he's looking over all of this mess and all of this filthiness, all of this darkness, all of this dirtiness. 
And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Hold on right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Uh, listen, I married up. And if you didn't, sorry about your love, right? If you're single, if you're a guy here and you're single, you should always try to marry up. Because if we get stuck with what we deserve, it's like the Jesus thing. We should, we, if we get what we deserve, we are not going to be happy. I, when I married my wife, my mom used to do everything for me. Anybody have a good mama? Yes. Three people in here had a good mama. <laughs> Your mama will come in here and beat you if you go ahead and say yes. <laughs> I had a good mama. She would literally wash clothes, cook, clean, all that stuff. Bend over backwards just to do anything that I needed. When I married my wife, there were high expectations. <laughs> she covered the beauty side of this, man. She knocked that out of the park. God did good on that one. But there were there were there were expectations of, of, of what a wife was right in, in my life, and and I, I I learned that she would clean. Just let's assume that for the sake of the story, she would cook. <laughs> it's funny when she's not here and I preach this message, but when she's here, it makes me a little bit scared to say that part. <laughs> she'll cook. She'll. Do whatever needs, she'll, she'll take care of me. If I'm sick, she'll baby me. When we have kids, she's going to be a good mom. I just know it. She's a great pastor's wife. Uh, she, she works with the kids in our church. She does all these fantastic things. But she's not my cook. She's not my cleaning lady. Come on, babe. Say amen. <laughs> you got to help me. Nobody else does. She's not my servant. She's not my slave. She's, she's my wife. Knowing who she is is as important as knowing who she isn't. Because if I know who she is, then I have a general idea. But if I know who she isn't, then I can just go ahead and, you know, I can, I can move and, and, and work around that and move to the place of who she actually is. She's not a, a cook or uh, my cleaning lady or like a servant or whatever. No, she's my wife. And because she's my wife and because she loves me, she understands that I need to eat. Come on, so I've got to eat three times, four times, eight times a day. I have to. And I still ball on you. I have to. The house has to be clean. Somebody's got to do it, you know. Out of the two of us, somebody's got to. I have to have clothes that are clean. I have, to have, I, ha I have to have a wife that will be a pastor's wife and help me lead a church. I have to have somebody that will help with kids and lead kids. I have to have all of that. But she's not those things. She's my wife. And because I understand and recognize her as my wife, all of those things come with that. Right? Jesus asked them, hey, who, who, who do people say that I am? And then you can go. You can stay on that one. And, and then they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah. Now, these are the disciples that have been with Jesus. They know who Jesus is. They understand who Jesus is. And yet their first response is what other people are saying that he is. Let me tell you this, uh, this afternoon that, yes, knowing who Jesus is matters, but knowing who Jesus is not matters as well. 
they, they, they was like pointing these things out. Well, some people say John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah. If Jesus asked us, hey, who do you think that I am? Well, you're the one that helps me pay my bills every month. So you're the bill payer. You, who, who do people say that I am? Well, you're the one that when I'm sick, I pray and I feel better. So you're, you're my, you're my healer. Amen. Who do people say that I am? Well, when I'm sad, I pray and I feel better. So you're my comfort. And all that's right. All that's good. But those are the effects of Jesus. But it's not the title of who Jesus is. See, my wife is not a cook, not a cleaner, not a pastor's wife. She, that, that, that's, that's what she does, but that's not who she is. Jesus doesn't, it isn't just somebody there to come for you. He's not just somebody there to take care of you. He's not just somebody to bail you out when you make bad financial decisions. He's not just somebody there to make you feel better. Jesus is Jesus, but because we have a relationship with him, we get all of the benefits that's attached to that. Right? Because when you are in a relationship with somebody, when you are married to somebody, there are extra benefits that you get from that marriage that you shouldn't be getting when you're just dating. There are benefits that you get from being in a marriage with somebody. And when, when we start building our foundation, okay, AJ, what does it look like to build a foundation? We start building our foundations and it starts with be, uh, becoming in the most intimate relationship with who Jesus is. Knowing who Jesus is. Because who he is matters. But we don't go after Jesus so he can comfort us or pay our bills or, or make us healthy. We go after Jesus for who he is because he died for us. He gave his life for us. He did everything he could to make sure that we could live in eternity with him. And all of the extra things come extra. That was free. That was just free. <laughs> so Jesus says, so, so that's what the disciples say. Well, they say that. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. Amen. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you. That you are Peter, which means rock. Yeah. And upon this declaration, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer. Now, go. you can go back. I'm good. Now, this is one of those where understanding this in the original translation and then how it was translated afterwards, they, they kind of they did this a little bit interesting. Uh, it, it says that all the powers of hell will not conquer. But I grew up a little bit different. I grew up where the pastor got like really, uh, really exclaimed this. And the gates of hell <laughs> will not prevail against Amen. That's That's what I grew up with. Yeah. I just thought, I was like, man, first of all, that sounds like a Tupac rhyme, right? Like, dude, that's good. <laughs> Second of all, he just likes it because it rhymes. It's, man, it, it flows. And it's great. And that's what they've heard their whole entire life. But then I started thinking and I started researching and I heard a couple pastors say this. And I'm like, man, I got to look this out. The place where Jesus is standing and the place inside the cave was literally called the gates of hell. So inside this cave where they worship the God of Pan, where Jesus is standing over, he's on the mountain looking down into all this nastiness, dirtiness, was where they called the gates of hell. Mm. 
So Jesus wasn't just like trying to make this dope rhyme that sounded awesome. He, he wasn't just making a declaration into the atmosphere like, man, I'm just going to sound something that, that, that sound, say something that sounds cool. Jesus was literally looking and saying, upon this rock, this is where my church will be built. And the very gates of hell that we're right here against will not prevail against. Why didn't Jesus establish? See, this is the, this is the first time Jesus establishes his church. Jesus, the most pure, perfect God being to ever live on this earth. He literally came to die for you, for me. Like his whole mission purpose was to die. He, he had, I mean, he had superpowers. He had the power of flight. Right? He, 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 he holds the record for the largest fish fry in the history of the world. <laughs> right? Like that's Jesus. Like he did all these miracles. That was fantastic. He wasn't like God. He was God. And He is God. Amen. Jesus. And then He's standing there. In the darkest place in the world. He didn't go to where it was convenient. He didn't go to where people loved Him. He went to the place that was the dirtiest, the filthiest, and the darkest. To establish His church. See, for me, that matters. Yes, yes. Because I was one of those dark, dirty people. I was one of those people that needed a Jesus that didn't care how dirty I was, that didn't care how messed up I was. I needed that Jesus in my life. And the, 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 the day I got saved, the day I really gave everything to God, something started happening. A foundation started being built. The day, if you've accepted Jesus, the day you you have you you gave your life to Jesus, something started happening. A foundation started to be built. And a lot of times we think that the foundation has to be clean and it has to be perfect. And yet Jesus built his in the darkest, nastiest, dirtiest place in the known world. And yet he said, upon this rock, upon this foundation, I'll build my church. Because I'm not scared of dirty people. I'm not scared of nasty people. I'm not scared of people that have problems. I'm not scared of any of them. That's what the foundation is going to be built on. And I think that's why I love this church so much is because I know your pastors. I know they're not scared of anybody. I know you're not scared of anybody. You can have the most messed up background. You can have the most the, the most trying thing, and they will love you all the way to Jesus. Not all churches are like that. I mean, we think, man, that's what church should be, but not all churches are like that. And I know as we're establishing culture here, as we're moving into the, the new season of Ephesus and, and moving into the, the whole new season of the church, I know the one thing that's trying to be established is, man, we're trying to be hope to this city. Amen. And that starts with the foundation. 
The same foundation that Jesus said, upon this rock in the craziest place in the world is where I'm going to build my church. That is the same foundation that we have to be built on, not only personally, but as a church. We're not scared of messed up people. We're not scared of broken people. Anybody agree with that? In your life, what's your foundation look like? See, Jesus knew the importance of building a foundation. He literally built his on a rock, upon the proclamation of building it on solid foundation. What does your life look like? What does your foundation look like? You might say, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to have to deal with anything. No, we, are, we already know that's not true. What does your foundation look like? Can I get help? Uh, mute, any kind of music, whatever you guys got. It's perfect. What does your foundation look like? Ask just right where you're at. We're just going to take a minute together. Every time a storm comes, does it feel like you get blown around a lot? Does it feel like you're always trying to play catch up? Does it feel like you're always struggling to stay ahead? Always struggling to stay on your feet? Does it feel like every time you run into a problem, you're not sure how you're going to get through it? See, Jesus never promised that the winds and the rains wouldn't come against it. He just promised that when they do, you're going to be fine. So what does your foundation look like? Do you just look the part? Are you building sandcastles? Are you making your life look beautiful on the outside while on the inside it's crumbling? just bow your heads with me this morning? I really want you to ask yourself this. Because honestly, like, me being here, it, it doesn't matter if there's no change. A sermon doesn't matter if, if, we, if, if there's no change from it. And you might be preoccupied or thinking about something else. But man, these three minutes, five minutes, whatever, could change your life forever if you just really, really lock into what I'm asking right now. What does your foundation look like? Are you a great Christian on Saturdays and then struggle the rest of the week? great Christian when you're around Christian people, but any other environment, you struggle? When things come against you, what, 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 what happens? Do you understand that you have a footing that's on Jesus, that's on His Word, or do you always struggle to stay ahead? And the best part of this is there's no wrong answer. But if your answer is, man, I know that I'm all looks. I know that I have some stuff that I need to work on. That's fine. We just need to build your foundation. Ask God right now, God, what does my foundation look like? Is it built on sand? Is it not as strong as I thought it was? 
there's no reason you should have to leave here this afternoon and not be establishing a foundation upon the Word of God, upon Jesus Himself. You have such an opportunity right now, before any basketball, before any lunch, whatever, you have an opportunity right now to change your life forever. And while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, right where you're at, I'm not going to make you come up, nothing like that. But just sometimes when you acknowledge things, when you start talking about things, when you admit to things, that's when that's when life change can happen. So right where you're at, everybody's heads bowed, man, it's between you and God. If you say, AJ, that's that's definitely me. I definitely, I, man, my foundation is shaky at best. I definitely, definitely need a little bit more of a solid foundation in my life. Let's just raise your hand right where you're at. You can put it right back down, right back down, right back down, right back down. That's the first step is acknowledging it. Because you're not going to be able to avoid the waves. You're not going to be able to avoid the wind. You're not going to be able to avoid the rain. You're not going to be able to avoid the problems. You're not going to be able to avoid the struggles. But what you can control is what you are built on. You can't control what happens around you, but you can't control you. And you can control who you are built on. And this morning, as I, as I pray over us, if you raise your hand, first of all, I'm so proud of you. Admit, acknowledging that is a huge step. Of you saying, man, I, I, I need to go a little bit deeper, to be a little bit stronger. I need that. And as I pray over you this morning, I would ask that right where you're sitting, you would do the same thing and say, God, establish a foundation in my life that is unshakable. It didn't say what was built on the house would be unshakable, but it did say the foundation would be unshakable. And I promise you, if you are built on Jesus, Everything, everything, everything will be different. So as we're praying this morning, or this afternoon, ask God. God, help me build my foundation on you, on your biblical truths, on your biblical principles, and help me to go deeper and be stronger in my life with you. Let's pray that together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for maybe letting us hear something that we needed to hear. Because life happens. Things get tough. Situations are that, that are beyond our control, they affect us on a daily basis. Some of them are not that bad and some of them feel like the, the, it's the end of them. And yet the only constant in our life. The only one thing we can hold on to, no matter what happens, is that if our life is built on you, everything's going to be okay. And we're going to make it. And so God, this morning, we just come to you. We ask 
that no matter what our foundation looks like, God, you will establish our lives upon who you are. Your truth, your principles, your word. God, we don't want to just look the part. We don't want to just look cute. We don't want to just look like we know what we're doing, God, but we want to be rooted and established on you. Right now, God, before we ever step out of this place, we just ask you to begin that work today. A work that, that, that shakes us to our core. God, and as everything around us breaks loose and goes crazy, we can stand firmly with our head up knowing that we're going to make it because we are, uh, we are standing on you, God, the solid foundation of who you are. God, I thank you for every single person that raised their hand all across this room. Acknowledging the fact that our foundation needs to be a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit more sturdy. And I just pray, God, that today you just begin a supernatural work. Establishing yourself firmly in our lives. Though the storms may come against us, though the winds and waves may beat against us, God, we know that you are the rock that we build our lives on. Thank you, God, for your word today. Thank you for the challenge to our hearts today. God, I pray for not only each and every person in here, God, I pray for uh, this church, the leadership, God, the, the direction, the vision, the culture. I pray for all of them. That a solid foundation will continue to be built so that not only it will affect the people in this room, God, and not only will it affect the Tri-Cities, but it will affect the world. Thank you, God. And as we develop culture, as we establish the foundation on who you are, God, let us, let us begin to see the effects of that, the benefits of that, the blessings of that. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you say amen?